Hallelujah. The Almighty God, He is glorious and wonderful. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-able, ever-present. He is worthy of glory and honor. Praise and dominion belong to Him. Hallelujah. We worship you, O great I Am. You are awesome in this place, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace and your presence, Lord. Hallelujah. We serve an awesome God, don't we? Glory to his name. He is awesome and worthy. We're going to dismiss our children now to Kids Dome. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. And as we do that, we are going, I'm going to bring up our guest speaker. And um, this is a, a brother that I met through my, 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 my friend Jeremy. I, I mean, um, Jeremy. His name is Jeremy. Gregory Boykin actually is how we were introduced. And so I just thank God for him. He's going to come. He's going to minister a powerful words. Can you put your hands together, Pastor Jeremy Johnson? He comes forward today. There we go. Am I on? Good morning. How's everybody doing? You can be seated. I'm telling you what, if I lived anywhere close to Oviedo, Florida, I'd be right here every Sunday morning. This place is amazing. From the moment I walked in, and Nikki and I walked in, it was just amazing. It is the friendliest church in America. And I've been to a lot of churches lately. I've been from Michigan to Kansas to Tennessee to North Carolina, all over the place. And I'm telling you, nothing beats this. I've got four more places I've got to be this week, and I'm kind of dreading going there because nothing's going to top this. This is just an amazing place. And that worship, let's give it up for the praise team and the band. Oh, my goodness. I've been in a lot of places I haven't heard anything like this. This is a preview of heaven, folks. Amen. Amen? I was thinking that as I was standing and praising our God, how amazing and awesome he is. I was thinking this is what it's going to be like. This is just a glimpse. This is just a taste of what it's going to be like. I am thrilled to be here this morning and, and to deliver the word. I woke up with just a, just a burden and a fire in my heart. And if it's all right with you today, can I just take off the pastor hat? I know that's kind of hard to do on stage sometimes, isn't it? But can I be real with you and, and just, just break it down for you this morning? Can I do that? Is that all right? I'm going to do that for you this morning. Um, my life uh, it has been just crazy over the last two or three years. And I've written a book that you guys will see out there later on, and I'd love to meet each and every one of you. But that's not really why I'm here today, uh, is to sell a book. I'm here to deliver a, a word and to show you what God has done in my life and to give you hope. You know, that's what the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, doesn't it? To give us a, a hope and a future, a promise of a future, to prosper us. And that's what we want. Amen? Amen. That's what we want. And for me, my life changed on 12, 12, 12. Everybody say that with me. 12, 12, 12. December 12, 2012. Um, has anybody ever had your life just ripped out from under you? Anybody? That's, that's what happened to me on 12, 12, 12. It was a normal Wednesday morning. I was living in Orlando, Florida. You guys know where that's at, right? I was living in Orlando, actually in the Lake Nona area, 
And I woke up that morning. I was a pastor of a church in Lake Nona. Um, some of our people were here that were, that were part of that church here this morning. So that's a cool thing. Um, but I was a pastor of a church, church planner. Our church was growing. We were seeing amazing things happen. We were seeing over 1,200 people at outreach events. And, and we were seeing people come to Christ on, a, on seemingly a weekly basis. People were baptized. We had the swimming pool because we met at the YMCA. So we were dunking people in the swimming pool every week. It was awesome, as you can imagine. And everything was going great. And so I woke up on that Wednesday morning thinking that, we're two weeks away from Christmas. I was about to begin a new Christmas series, you know, speaking series and, and, or preaching series. And, and things were going really well. And then I woke up. I checked my phone, as everybody does in the morning. That's what we do, right? We check our phone. I checked my phone. Everything was going well there. Nothing, had, the world hadn't ended. Everything was going well. Because as a pastor, that's what you do sometimes. You make sure that nobody's in the hospital or somebody doesn't need you immediately. And... I remember I was dressed for the day, ready for my Wednesday. My wife comes in the, in the uh, bedroom and says, honey, I need you to come downstairs. And I said, okay. And I saw something in her eyes that was a little bit different than I'd ever seen before. I went downstairs, and in the doorway there of our place in Lake Nonum, um, my mentor walked through the door. He wasn't invited that day. I didn't know he was coming. But he came through the door. And so he sat down on one couch. I knew this was serious. He sat down on one couch. She sat down on the, the chair, and I sat down on the other couch. And she began to cry, and she told me these words that changed my life forever. Honey, I'm taking the kids today, and I'm leaving. I'm going to my parents in Missouri. I don't want to be married anymore, at least to you. And God ripped. He didn't do it, but my heart was ripped out and God was the only one left there. I remember as they left that day, they went to the airport and I remember watching them leave as I stood on the sidewalk and, and waving at my kids. And I didn't know if my family would ever be back together again at that point. I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, I was a pastor, right? These things weren't supposed to happen to pastors. I mean, there wasn't a salacious affair. There wasn't a moral failure. It was just accumulating things that happened over 13 years of marriage. Can anybody relate to that? Just little things that have happened. Things that could have been fixed but chose not to be. Some of you can relate to that in your marriage. And so I was left there and feeling the most lonely feeling that I'd ever felt in my life. It was the darkest season of my life and the darkest day of my life. I remember watching them drive away and closing the door behind me and hearing this deafening silence. Has anybody ever heard this deafening silence? I mean, so deafening that you just want to turn the TV on, you want to turn the radio on, something. You know, you know play something because I can't stand it. And the spiritual warfare was attacking me because the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. You know that, right? I mean, he wants to take away your marriage, your family, everything that you have, your career, your money. He loves that too. He wants to take it all away. And so I remember feeling that darkness and that loneliness on that day. And God began to speak to me in that moment. He said, Jeremy, I've got you. 
I'm gonna hold you through this. I'm gonna carry you through this. And I said, God, but this looks really dark right now. I can't imagine it getting any darker. And he says, do you still believe everything that I've taught you your whole life? Do you still believe everything that you've been preaching, people for the last, pre- preaching to people for the last 15, 16, 17 years of your life? Do you still believe what you're preaching? And also, do you believe, Jeremy, that all things work together for your good and my glory? And I had to sit back and say, you know, God, I believe that. I'm just not seeing it. Have you ever believed it and not seen it? And I felt it in my heart. But it sure felt lonely and dark. And I said, God, I believe that all things work together for my good and your glory. But here's the deal. Things are looking really, really dark right now. And he said, oh, you want to hear about darkness, huh? My son, we just sang about it, died on a cross for you, each and every one of you. Boy, that was dark. Even the Bible says that it was midnight in the middle of the day. Can you believe that? And I felt that midnight in the middle of sitting there in that morning in the middle of my day. And he said, you know what? Not only that, he had some followers called the disciples. And the Bible doesn't talk about what happens to the disciples. It only talks about one scripture about the disciples after Jesus died. And you know what it says? It says that they locked the door behind them and shuddered in fear. That's what it says. That was me. I was locking the door behind me and I was shuddered in fear, re-examining everything in my life. Could I have been a better husband? Could I have done this better? Could I have been a better pastor? Could I have been a better friend? Have you been there? Re-evaluating your life? And I'm sure the disciples were thinking this very same thing. They were thinking the same thing. They were probably saying, oh, could I have, could I have gotten Jesus down off of that cross? Could I have saved him? Could I cause a, a, a diversion and gotten him away from those crazy soldiers? They were re-examining everything. You know, we talk about Friday a lot, Good Friday, because Jesus died on Good Friday, right? Why is it good? Why do we call it good? Have you ever thought about that? That was the darkest day in history. But it was the greatest moment for us because that changed everything and began the greatest story ever told. And then Sunday, what happened on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday? He rolled that stone away, and he came out of the the tomb, didn't he? And he raised up for us, and then he ascended back to heaven. We talk about Friday, and we talk about Sunday, but we never talk about Saturdays, do we? We never talk about Saturdays. Saturdays are the darkest seasons of our lives. Sometimes it's not just a day. Sometimes it's years Sometimes you guys have, might have gone through the darkest seasons of your life right after something tragic, tragic happened to you. It might have been a death. It might have been a divorce. It might have been whatever. It might have been a loss of a loved one. But Saturdays are really not to be discarded as just the tough seasons of life. Saturdays are the very season that shapes us to be who God has called us to be. Saturdays are important. Don't ignore the Saturdays in your life, folks. Don't ignore them. Because the Saturdays are what is going to propel you to the victory. It's going to propel you to Sunday. Because Sunday is coming. So that's a great example for all of us, folks. It's a great example for all of us. 
It may be darkest today. When you walk through that door this morning, it might have been darker than you've ever imagined. You might have said, you know what, I'm giving up on my marriage. I'm quitting my job. I'm leaving town. I'm doing whatever. You were hopeless, some of you, when you walked through this door this morning. And I believe that even though it may seem dark right now, joy comes in the morning. Amen? I believe that. Do you believe it? Joy comes in the morning. And it may not happen in the time frame that you want it to happen in or in the way that you want it to happen in, but it will happen. And God will bless you abundantly. He will bless you in ways that you could have never imagined before. God is a good God. Amen? Amen. God is a good God. So I was there in my darkness. I was there in the, the worst moments of my life. And I focused back on the disciples and God really brought some clarity in my life. See, the disciples on Saturday had no idea that the turnaround was about to happen. See, we we rarely do, don't we? Because we don't have any perspective when we're going through the storm, do we? We don't have any perspective. No one looks at a storm and says, oh, I know what's going on right now. I know what's happening. You know? But it's kind of like a rearview mirror. You've seen a rearview mirror before. What does it say? Objects appear closer than, it, than, than they seem, or they seem closer than they appear. Is that what it says? There you go, something like that. <laughs> That's the way God works. We may, not be, we may not see it, but it's closer than it appears. The miracle is closer than it appears. How many of you like football in here? I love football. You know, a lot of times we, we stop right on the one-yard line, don't we? We're about to go over to the victory. We're about to go over to the healing. We're about to go over to the score. But we stop on the one-yard line and go to the sidelines. We're so close that we forget that we can just step right over and we're going to have victory because we can't see that we're on the one-yard line. But God has placed us on the one-yard line about to go in. And God is about to break a season of your life, maybe tomorrow, who knows? We don't know. Could you imagine if, if Joshua walked, walked around the walls of Jericho six times rather than seven? What if he would have stopped on six? What would have happened then? That wouldn't have been good. What if Noah would have said, I'm going to build half an ark, or I'm going to build it a little bit smaller than what God has called me to build it? What would have happened then? He wouldn't have been obedient, and he wouldn't have seen the victory that, 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 that happened after the ark. Amen? So God is calling us to keep going, keep moving, because he says that there's hope in the midst of our storm. There's hope. How many believe that this morning? Sometimes I wish that he would schedule our seasons and post the schedule for us to see. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if he said, Monday, uh, Jeremy, you're going to get into a car accident, so you might want to take a different way. Tuesday, you're going to get a toothache because of something you ate on Monday, so don't eat what you ate on Monday. (laughs) Could you imagine that? That's not the way God works, is it? That's not the way he works. He doesn't post the schedule for us to see. Sometimes I wish he would. We never anticipate the hard lessons coming our way. No one ever says, God, please bring me vast amounts of pain and suffering. (laughs) Who says that? 
Has anybody ever said that before? I don't think so. We never anticipate the hard lessons of life coming. We never invite the unthinkable to bring about good. However, we serve a God that makes it a habit of turning what was meant for evil into something good. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart that he's, he's done it in my life. He's done it in a lot of your lives too. And maybe someone here needs to hear that hope and that truth this morning. You may be at the low point of your life and you're saying to yourself, I don't know how in the world that any good could come out of this. Have you ever said that before? I don't know how in the world any good could come out of this. I want to encourage you today that God can turn around the darkest situation and breathe new life into it. He can and he will. I believe that for you. You might have received some bad news from the doctor this week. I believe that even in your darkest hour, God can reveal something inside of you and work something through you that you could never imagine for yourself. God has, a, has an answer for you if you'll just keep holding on. Now, I want to be real with you. Remember I said I was going to be real with you? I was going to take off that pastor hat and just be, be real. It's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. It's not going to happen in the time frame you think it's going to happen in. Mine change shifted about three months after. Three months after my wife left. Something else happened. I was growing in my faith. Things were going great. I was getting back to spiritual health that I needed to be in because I was so devastated from what happened. And I get a knock at the door. Now, for some of us, knocks at the door are a little bit different. We, we treat those a little bit different, don't we? I mean, if it's Halloween and we're out of candy, what do we do? We, we turn out the lights. That's what we do, right? We're not home. You know, it's Florida. You know, I, the Jehovah's Witnesses love to come to Florida. And when they knock at our door, what do we do? We don't even live there anymore. Let's be honest. I told you I was going to be real. If you're Jehovah's Witnesses today, we love you. God bless you. Come back to Faith Dome next week. Because if I wasn't going to be speaking in Phoenix City, Alabama, I'd be here too. Because it's so amazing. Remember, I told you that. And I'm not just telling you that because a preacher's telling you that. I'm telling you that because I mean it. Other knocks at the door. Now, we have different knocks at the door. What about, what about a Girl Scout cookie? Girl Scout knocks at our door. What are we, do? we going to do? We're going to open that thing up. We're going to say, honey, come on in. I'll write you a check for $14,000. You are going to be the winner of whatever contest you're in. Amen? I mean, we do that. Let's be real. Can't lie in church. But this was a different knock, folks, that changed the trajectory of my life. It was a gentleman from the sheriff's department that says, here, here's some divorce papers. Folks, let me tell you, divorce was not in my vocabulary. It just wasn't. I believed in the covenant of marriage. Amen? But sometimes it can't be helped. Sometimes it happens. 50% of people in America get divorced. That's a reality. Let me tell you another shocking statistic. 50% of people within the church will get divorced as well. Which is telling me that we're no different from the church. I mean, we're no different from the world. We got a lot of work to do. But sometimes it can't be helped. Some of you probably have experienced that in your own family. For me, I had never experienced it in my family. My grandparents had been together for over 60 plus years, both, both sets of them. My mom and dad were together for 33 years before my father passed away at a young age of a heart attack. 
I didn't know anything about divorce, but I was getting one, whether I wanted one or not. And God worked through that. It was kind of a punch in the gut. Have you ever experienced that kind of punch in the gut? Where you don't know where to go next? And I received the punch in the gut, but then God began to encourage me. And he gave me a word. My, sp- my spiritual life was strong at that moment. And he gave me a word right there in that moment. It was Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. If you have your Bibles, you can check it out this morning. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. We're going to look at it. See, I felt I was back at square one because of receiving divorce papers. But let me tell you, God had said, you have come too far to, to stop. You've come too far not to continue on what I've called you to do. I haven't left you on the side of the road. I haven't gone on vacation while you're in your storm. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? But this is what he said to me on that, on that day. And I'd read the scripture over and over and over as a pastor, but never, it never clicked with me the way it clicked with me here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Now, if we put a period on that scripture, that'd be a pretty amazing scripture, wouldn't it? Let's not get tired of doing what is good. Keep on doing it. Here's the next part of it. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Amen. We could celebrate that. We could sing three or four more songs and talk about how amazing God is and how he's going to bring this harvest of blessing. Amen? Because he's going to do it in our lives. But here's the key part. Because there's no period at the end of that sentence. The key part is this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if, everybody say if with me, if we don't give up. You know, we're going to receive a harvest of blessing. The problem is sometimes we want to give up. We want to give up on that one yard line. But God says, well, you can't give up. I won't let you give up. Because I love you too much. And my grace is sufficient for you. And I have hope for you. And I have a plan for you. You're only 30-something years old and God has something in store for you. That's what he spoke to me. And he's speaking it to you as well. Whatever age you are, he's saying, don't give up. Because God has something in store for you. Your best days are going to be ahead of you, not behind you. The greatest days of your ministry, whether you're in full-time ministry, whatever that is, everybody's a minister here. You are not done. If you're 95 years old, you're still not done. This is not, the church is not heaven's waiting room. It's also not a country club for Christians, but it's a hospital for the hurting. Have you heard that before? That's what it's about. And you're not done done. God is not done with you. What he wants to do inside of you and through you out in that community. I just thought, just as a side note, this is a little free preaching right here. This is not even in my notes. Just a side note. And I thought this, and I felt God just just telling me this morning as I was standing here worshiping, the faith dome, this place is about to explode. I believe it. I believe that your territory is about to be expanded. Because I saw that up here, what I saw up here and what I saw in the hearts and the minds of people as we prayed this morning was family and was community. And this community of Oviedo needs that. And I believe that God is going to work through you and he's not done with you. So don't give up. I don't know what that, I don't know where you're going to get out of that, but 
God instructed me to keep planting seeds because the harvest is coming if I didn't give up before it happened. I'm not talking about the results of just restoring a marriage. I'm talking about the results that God wants to do something special in your life. Through our faithfulness to him, through our hardship and trials, we will reap rewards that cannot be measured on this earth, but will be measured in heaven one day. Man, that's good stuff. I had come to the, my, to the place in my life at that moment that Jesus was more than sufficient in my life and he was all I needed. He was my focus. I love the old saying that when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. Don't you love that? Well, when you're, up to, when you're down to nothing, God is all you have. When you lose everything, God is all you have and he picks you up and carries you to places you never thought you could go. See, God is more concerned about what he wants to do inside of you rather than what's happening around you. Well, if we could just get that today. If you don't get anything else from this message today, God wants, he's more worried about what's he, what he wants to do inside of you rather than what's going on around you. Now, he cares about your surroundings. He cares about the people around you. But God's main focus is your heart because he wants it. He desires it. Your circumstances may not change, but you will. That's the truth. There won't be any shortcuts. There won't be any warp zones like Super Mario Brothers that you can go down. It ain't going to happen like that. It's not going to happen. Wouldn't it be great sometimes if we were going through the darkest storm of our life in 2015 and said, and be out in 2020? Wouldn't that be amazing? Let's be honest. That's not the way it works. You can't fast forward this process because it's a refining process that God wants to do something inside of you and polish you and make you a new person, a new creation in him because that's who he is. That's who he is and that's what he desires for us. At this point, you may be in the middle of your storm. If you're not there currently, there's a good chance you're about to go into one or you just got out of one. Isn't that what they always say? Your storms work that way. Everybody goes through storms. Maybe it's the end of a dream or a career. Maybe it's a death of a loved one. Maybe it is a divorce. I know there are many who are going through a financial storm that feels like that will never, ever go away. But no matter the storm, you can't avoid it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You got to go through it. But here's the great part. God walks through every storm with you. He step, he's not going to say, oh, hey, Jeremy, go ahead and through it. I'll be out on the other side. Can you imagine if God did that? He says, no, we're going through this together. We're, we're going to strap on my armor, and we're going to go straight through it. That's what we're going to do. We're going to put on the belt. We're going to put on the breastplate. We're going to put on the helmet. We're going to take our sword, and we're going to go straight through it. I'm thankful that we serve a God today that doesn't allow us just to go through the storm alone, but goes through it with us. See, the good news is God is always there. At this moment in my life, God gave me this amazing book of the Bible called Nehemiah. Have you ever heard of that? You ever read that? If you haven't read that, how many have read that? Let's show them some hands. How many have read that? Okay, if you haven't read it, it's okay. Go read it today. That's your homework, okay? Go read it today. It's amazing. You can finish it in a, one day. God was doing something in my life 
just like he did in Nehemiah. And I don't know why Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah was just given to me by God. But he said, I want you to read this and I want you to, I want you to do something about it. I want you to have action steps to get where you need to be. And Nehemiah was this guy, if you don't know anything about him, he was this cupbearer. He was the cupbearer to the king. If you don't know what a cupbearer is, he was basically the guy that took a drink for the king to make sure it wasn't poison. Can you imagine doing that? I mean, can you imagine drinking it and say, yep, I didn't die, here you go. What kind of job is that? I can see why God pulled him out of that and put him in something else. God's provision is always there, and that's what he did in Nehemiah. But he goes to Nehemiah and says, hey, I want you to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem with some friends of yours. And he's like, God, I don't have any construction experience. I'm not an architect. I mean, I, I am just a cupbearer. That's all I know. I just take the drink to make sure it's not poisonous. That's, that's a pretty easy job, but it's kinda, it has its risks. But God said, I want you to go to Jerusalem where, you, where you're from, where your home is, and I want you to rebuild the walls that have been in shambles for over 100 years. He said, I'm sure he thought to himself, are you kidding me? Me? What do you want to do with me? I can't do with that. But he did. He said, yes, I will. And to fast forward the story, in 52 days, God did something that no one thought could be done. You know why? You know why he did that? You know why the walls were rebuilt in 52 days? To show that he is God? You know why he did that? Because he could. Because only God could. He did it in 52 days because everyone said it was impossible. And then the word impossible is not valid in God's vocabulary. Amen? Some of you today are saying it's impossible. My marriage will never get back together. It's impossible. I'll never do this. I'll never do that eradicate, take that word out of your vocabulary. Because with God, all things are possible. Amen? Do you believe that, church? I believe that. And so he went out and he said, okay, I'll do it. And he did it in 52 days. And I knew as I was reading this book of the Bible that God wasn't leading me to build a wall, but he wanted to rebuild something in my heart. Some of you today, God is not calling you to go rebuild a wall, but he wants to rebuild something inside of you. I believe that. Think about what that is. For some of you, it's, it's your spiritual walk. You need to be closer to him than you've ever been. For some of you, it's, it's maybe in your relationships that you've built, in your family. What does God want to rebuild in your life? Before we leave this morning, I want to give you five ways to rebuild your life. If you're a note taker, this is the time to pull out your notes, get your pen out. I'm going to give you five ways to rebuild your life this morning before we leave. Just like Nehemiah rebuilt that wall. Five things. You ready? You still with me, church? Yes. All right. Here we go. Five things. Number one is this. Evaluate the damage. Evaluate the damage. Let me tell you. Nehemiah went out in the middle of the night and he said, let me see what has happened out there. Let me see the rubble. Let me see that it's in shambles. And he went out and he inspected the walls and he inspected the rubble. And he could have very easily come back with the same determination that many of us do. 
it can't be done. Don't we say that? There's too much damage. There's too much rubble. Oh, too much has happened. You don't know my past, Pastor Jeremy. You don't know what I've gone through. And God says, I don't care about your past. I care more about your future. I care about your present. And I want to take you out of whatever, whatever you're in. And I want to rebuild something. But first, you have to evaluate the damage. See, I went into this self-evaluation mode. I wanted God to search my heart and know my heart. Isn't that what the word of God says? Search me and know me. My heart's desire was to be shaped by him and for everything that I was doing to be pleasing to him. I asked God to take away the things in my life that needed to be eliminated and add the things in my life that needed to be added. Now, now let, me get to, let me get something straight here. Not everything was bad on the bad side. and never, Not everything was bad on the good side either. Let me just say this. There was a lot of good things that I was doing that I needed to stop doing. Ooh. That might have hit some toes there. There's a lot of good things that you're doing in your life right now. But they're not God things. Choose God things over good things every day of the week. Amen? You may be doing so many good things for so many other people, but that might not be what God has called you to do. Reevaluate your life. Evaluate the damage in your life. It may not even seem like damage to you. But it's damage to God and God wants to repair it and he wants to rebuild something inside of you. God wants to change things in your life. But first, you have to be willing to let go of the, your desires and your control. See, I wanted to control everything at some points in my life. And God had to say, Jeremy, you can't do it. You can't be all things to all people. In fact, I went to a counselor that works with pastors right after everything took place in my life, after the, the carpet came out from under me. And he asked me a question, and he said, who is Jeremy? I was like, oh, my goodness. What am I going to get on a couch? <laughs> who is Jeremy? <sighs> Brother. And I said, oh, Jeremy, yeah. He's a, uh, I think I know him. He's a, he's a, he's a husband and a father and a, and a pastor and a, and a church planner and do, does this and does this. And I was naming all these things that, I was, that made up who I thought I was. And he stopped me and said, you know what? That's the wrong answer. I was like, no, it's, I'm pretty sure I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm all these things. Pretty sure I know me. And he said, no. Jeremy is a child of the king, of the most high. Nothing added, nothing taken away. That's all you are. Some of us need to regain our identity in Christ because we have lost it. We've got all these titles and all these name badges, don't we? We've got all of these things that we're trying to be to all these different people in our life. And God says, I want you to evaluate your life and say, you know what? Those are great things, but they're not my things. They're not my things. They're not God things. Evaluate the damage in your life. So you may think that, that your addiction is too great. And you may say to yourself, why bother? There's too much damage. There's too much rubble to turn this around. And God says, that's not true because I can clean out a path with the best of them. I'm the only one that can clean out the path. The rubble is never too great. The pain is never in too, too insurmountable. That God cannot heal. Do you believe that, church? Yes. Even if you've given up and said it's not worth it. 
You can still come back from that. Don't let pride and the enemy prevent you from being where you need to be. Because pride is the biggest killer of all relationships. We all know that. We want to get our way, don't we? Whether it's a relationship with other people on this earth or our relationship with God. Sometimes we let our pride get in the relationship with God in between it. Here's what God calls you to do. He calls you to pick up the shovel, clean the rubble, and then pick up the hammer and lay one brick at a time to rebuild the wall in your life and to rebuild something in your heart. That's what he calls you to do. That's what he wants us to do. So number one is evaluate the damage. Whatever is dead in your life, even if you've lost all hope, remember God can resurrect it from the ashes even if you thought it was dead. Doesn't God do that? Isn't he the only one that can change it from death to life? Remember, he stepped from death to life. He could do it as many times as he wanted to probably. God wants you to allow him to have the control. But it starts with discovering where you are and giving an honest assessment, evaluate the damage. Number two is this, rise up. Rise up. Sounds like a cool song title, Rise Up. At some point in our life, we have to put the hammer to the nail. We have to do the things in our life that will return the focus back to God and away from us. Every morning, I pray this prayer. God, I want a whole lot less of me and a whole lot more of you. How many of you have prayed that prayer? And I prayed that today as I, as I was praying right before the service. I said, God, just get me out of the way and you take over this morning. I'd be all right with that. Because it's not about me. It's not about Jeremy. It's not about a book. It's not about a message. It's, it's, it's not about my story. It's about his story. And God is faithful and he's, he's good to complete it. But we have to rise up. Some of us are so focused on our situation that we lose focus on the only one that can deliver us from our situation. We're so focused on, on what is going to happen in the results that we don't see the results inside of us. For me, I had to return to the spiritual disciplines that I had kind of let lax in my life. One of them was worship. Man, we worshiped this morning, didn't we? That was an awesome display of God's glory. It wasn't about these people up here, but it was about God working through them. And I believe when you're going through the biggest storm in your life, the greatest thing to do is to sing through your storm. Now, I want to be honest with you. I didn't feel like singing through my storm. You know that song, I could sing of your love forever. You heard that song? I didn't feel like singing of God's love that moment. I just want to be honest with you. I, I didn't. But when I did, something broke inside of me. And I began to hear the words. And God began, the, the Holy Spirit began to speak through me. And tears began to flow. And God began to redo something in my life that I never thought was possible. And he reminded me of who I was when I first came to know him. Man, I, I received that, that old time feeling of getting... Having been at the old altar when I was nine years old, and God speaking to me and pouring something into my life. Sing through your storm. We got to rise up and sing through our storms, folks. I had to dive into the word. In Nehemiah 8 8, it says, They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. 
A few verses later, it says they celebrated because they finally understood what they were reading. Something happened and a switch was flipped and God gave great clarity and understanding. That is exactly what I felt when I began to, to, to dive into the word of God. The words just came onto the page and into my heart. Some of us need to return back to opening up, blowing off the dust of our Bibles, opening them up and reading the word of God. Amen? Not only that, I, I went on a fast and I began to pray. My prayer life was revitalized. And the other thing I did as I was rising up to putting the hammer to the nail, I learned to serve through my heartache. The greatest way to take your eyes off your own situation is put your eyes on someone else's situation and lift them up. I did that through a homeless ministry here in Orlando. And I began to serve in the homeless ministry and do some amazing things um, as I was going through this hard time. And it began to get my focus off of me and put it onto someone else. And it makes my life look okay because I have a pillow to lay my head on at night. And they didn't. My life wasn't that bad, was it? And I could help other people. So we have to rise up. That's the second thing. Number one, evaluate the damage. Number two, rise up. Number three, this is my favorite thing. You ready for this? Strap on your seatbelt because it may get bumpy. Uh-oh, watch out. Get your notes ready. You want to write this down. Tune out the haters. Uh-oh. It's about to get real up in here. Pastor Craig Rochelle out in Oklahoma says this. Becoming obsessed with what people think is the quickest way to forget what God thinks. Uh-oh. Woo. I'm stepping on my own toes there. Remember this process of rebuilding and restoration won't be easy. It takes work and there may be some growing pains that we'll have to work through. And people around you will not understand the storm that you're going through. You know why? Because it's not their storm. It's yours. Don't worry about what people are saying because the arrows are going to start to fly. People are going to say, oh, why are you, why are you holding out hope? Why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you diving into the word? Why are you fasting? What, are you kidding me? What do you mean, why am I fasting? Because I want to draw closer to God. Why am I praying? Because the only way that I'm going to get up is on my knees. That's the only way that I'm going to move off of this empty spot that I'm in, this bottom pit. I believe that God has called us to tune out the haters. See, during our times of struggle, it's, the best to, it's best to surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you. But make sure they encourage you through the lens of Scripture. Woo! Because sometimes they may mean well, but they don't have your best interest in mind. But God always has your best interest in mind. They may say, girl, you need to leave him. You need to make that happen today. Where's that at in my Bible, man? Is that like, is that like in, uh, I think that's in second. You are crazy. Chapter two, verse seven. I am, I'm not lying. I, I've heard people say this stuff. Let's be honest, folks. People may mean well. Your mama and daddy may mean well. Your grandmother may mean well. 
But that doesn't mean they know your heart like God knows your heart. Don't judge because you don't know what kind of storm they're going through. Don't you tell people what they need to do when you don't even know what you need to do yourself. Woo, I could end. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Tune out the haters. Whatever God has called you to do, rest assured, he gives you the right tools to complete it. He did it with Nehemiah. He did it with Noah. He did it all through scripture, and he's going to do it with you as well. He don't need somebody in the, in, the, in, in the pecking gallery over here saying, hey, I think you need to, we don't need to hear from you. We need to hear from God. So tune out the haters, tune out the people around you, and turn your communication upward to God rather than outward to other people. Because the enemy can work through other people. You know that, right? Number three, tune out the haters. Number four, we got two more. Number four is this, guard the wall with the sword and the hammer. What does that mean? Guard the wall. See, you will hit a bump in the road on your journey to rebuild what God has broken in your life. You will hit a bump in the road and you will feel like giving up, but God will not let you. See, in Scripture, in Nehemiah, before they reached their breakthrough of rebuilding the wall, which was a task that everyone said couldn't be done, there were several tests involved. Nehemiah 4, 6 says, So they rebuilt the wall till half its height. For the people worked with their whole heart. They gave their blood, their sweat, their tears, not the rock band from the 70s, but they gave their blood, their sweat, and their tears. And you know what? They felt like giving up. They knew they were doing the right thing. They knew they were seeing progress, but they were at day 26 of day 52 of completion. And they felt like giving up. And God said, you can't give up, so here's what I'm going to do. You need to take a sword And you need to take a hammer, put the sword in one hand, and I don't want you to get off of that wall. You do not come off of that wall until it is complete. And God is telling some of you today, do not come off of whatever I've called you to do because it's not complete. It's not done. I'm not done working in your life. I'm not done completing the restoration process. I'm not done rebuilding what I want to rebuild inside of you. And so I want you to take a sword in one hand. Why a sword, God? Why do we need a sword? Because the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And the only thing that can fend off the enemy is the sword. And so we fend off the enemy with a sword from on top of that wall. Don't come down to do it. Because they'll try to get you to come down. And that's the enemy's ploy. But I want you to hold that, hold that sword in one hand and fend off the enemy. And in the other hand, I want you to have a hammer. And I want you to keep working, keep building, keep doing what I've called you to do because he is faithful to complete the work inside of you. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Do you believe that? But you can't give up. You can't drop the hammer. You can't drop the sword. You can't come off the wall. We want it both ways. We want to come off the wall because we're tired, because we've given everything. We've given all of ourselves, our blood, our sweat, and our tears, and we want to give up. But God says, if you want to see victory, if you want to see healing, if you want to see restoration, if you want to see the other side of the storm, you need to not give up. Amen? Amen. Keep the sword and the hammer handy. This was how the workers changed their heart. 
Nehemiah simply said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your home. You may be standing at your crossroads right now and you are discouraged and frustrated. You may be tired and you may look down at your feet and know that you're knee deep in ashes, but God says, don't give up. Just because it looks that way doesn't mean it is that way because I'm about to do something in your life that's gonna change all of that and take away all of the ashes and rubble. I want to encourage you that this may be the midway point. And this is the same spiritual warfare that Nehemiah and his friends were experiencing. Despite what you feel, because feelings are temporary, right? Despite what you feel, whatever you're fighting for this morning, they are worth fighting for. It may require more hard work and perseverance, more sweat, and maybe even more tears and hurt. But I can assure you it's worth it. Don't give up. Keep fighting and refuse to give up. Refuse to go down off of that wall. The last thing is this, number five. Simply watch God work. Get out of his way and watch him work. Because when God's at work, nothing gets in his way. When God's at work, nothing can stop that force. When God's at work, Lives begin to change, hearts begin to mend and be molded by God. See, after I chose to grow through this trial rather than go through it, because that's what we do, don't we? We need to choose to grow through our trials and our storms rather than just go through them. That's a decision that we can make because God gives us that free will. I knew I wanted to be a different man on the other side of the storm. It was kind of like a car wash. How many of you have ever taken your car to a car wash? Yeah. You put it on, I did it on Thursday, I think. You put it on the conveyor system and just let it go through, right? And it washes the wheels, gets the wheels all nice. The windows, put that Rain-X on them so where you don't even have to turn on your windshield wipers, which doesn't work. It works like five seconds and then, hey, that's great, it's over. But your car on the other side of the storm, on the other side of the the car wash looks really nice, doesn't it? But sometimes we forget the most important part, the inside. Man, I've got leftover bags from Bojangles and Wendy's and from like two months ago's lunch. Yeah, I know Bojangles. I know you got one in Oviedo too. Oh yeah, I've been there several times this week. No, I'm just kidding. But we forget the inside, don't we? And God says, I want to do a work inside of you. You may look shiny on the exterior, but that doesn't matter. You may come to church looking all pretty and all handsome, but it doesn't matter if your heart is not right with me. If your inside, your interior is not cleaned, it doesn't matter. God wants to work inside of you. He wants to rebuild something inside of you. He wants to rebuild your home because the enemy is out to kill it and steal it and destroy it. I want you to stand with me this morning. See, your family and friends are going to experience the life change. You may even become unrecognizable to some people in your life. God and God alone can make that change. But you have to understand that there is purpose in every drop of the pain. And I believe that God uses every drop of pain as fuel to create you and build you up to who you need to be. Do you believe that, church?
I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Here's what I want you to do. For some of you today, you've walked in here broken, just like I was. Broken. And you've never seen the light of day. You came in here today really frustrated and discouraged. I believe today that God wants to do something inside of you. I don't think it's an accident that you're here at Faith Dome today. I believe it is on purpose. You were ordained to be here this morning to hear this message. And I want you to tune out the haters in your life. And I want you to make a new beginning today. Make this the genesis of your new life because your greatest season is ahead of you rather than behind you. If you're saying today, Jeremy, you know what? I need something healed in my life. I need, I need a victory to take place. I need to see a miracle take place in my life because I believe that we still serve a God of miracles. Amen? I believe that he is a God of miracles. And I believe that some of you walked in here today holding out hope because you were hopeless when you walked in. But you're holding out an ounce of hope. And I believe that's valid because God wants to use that ounce of hope and create so much more inside of you. If that's you today that needs to go from brokenness to being unbroken, if that's you today, I want you to just slip up your hand and say, that's me, Jeremy. I, I, I need that today. I need that. I need healing in my family. I need healing in my marriage. I need healing. I need just a special touch from God today. The Holy Spirit just to rain down on me. Yes, I see that hand. Who else? Who else? Yes. Right up here. Two up here. Yep. Back there, I see your hand. Yes. Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for your presence. I believe that some of you today have never accepted Christ. You, you don't know what this hope is about because you, you've never experienced it. You've never experienced new life in Christ. And I believe today is your day to step out in faith. Today, on March 15, 2015, this is going to be your day, your new day. If that is you today, if, if you've never accepted Christ and you want to just accept him and say, God, just, just come into my life, be real in my life, just raise your hand. Just, just slip it up. No one's judging. Tune out the haters. Just, just slip it up. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, let's, let's pray. Jesus, we are just thank you. We thank you so much for your presence here today. Father, I, I pray that this church has continued to be lifted up. We see the hands of people that are broken today. Father, we see that, that you're at, at work in people's lives. We see that this message is having an impact because, God, you use every drop of pain in, in every situation in our life to bring about good and to bring about your purpose. Father, it's all about you. It's not about us. It's all about you today. Father, we just pray that prayer that I pray every single day. Father, we need a lot less of me and a lot more of you.